0: Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Tuesday afternoon. And joining me today as we, his insight is valuable all year round, but is pre- extremely valuable uh, over this next three or four weeks. Our front office insider, Bobby Marks, joining us from Naples. What's up, Bobby? Hey, Brian. How are you? Man, the emails I start getting from you are like platinum. <laughs> um, and uh, it's funny, like... Sometimes I'll be uh, talking to a front office guy, and they'll uh, they'll they'll make they'll say something in passing like, "Well, I saw that Bobby said this, and Bobby said that." <laughs> you're not working in the league anymore, per se, but you're you're oh, involved yeah, in the You could always have an
1: unofficial advisory role. How's that sound?
0: That definitely is the case. <laughs> so I thought we would go over a couple of teams today and take a look at what their options are and what's on the table for them. You'd know better. Nobody better in the world really for you other than you to take a look at this. So we talked in the pod the other day about Philly. I think Philly is one of the most important teams to watch at the deadline because obviously they're going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're a contender and we expect them to be uh, amongst all the contenders. They probably are the most trade ready team with the available um, expiring contracts that they have. and the first round picks they have, they're ready to go. Um, you have, and we'll write a lot about talk a lot about Philly in the coming days. But I think one of the interesting things to me is Philly has sort of, in my view, three choices. They can hold their potential salary cap space until the summer, which by which they would trade for players who are, are on expiring contracts so that they can still improve their roster now, but then also be a salary cap player in the summer. How much do you think they're projected for right now, Bobby? Like
1: 55, and that takes yeah. in into account Embiid, uh, Maxi's free agent Hull, Paul Reed, Jaden Springer, basically four guys. on. I mean, certainly it could go up another maybe seven, but in that 55, 60 range right there.
0: Right. So they would be in the market where they could sign a Max player and then another significant free agent and then sign Tyrese Maxi. They wouldn't lose mm-hmm. Maxi. Um, or they can use their space now, um, the so-called pre-agency where they trade their expiring contracts for guys on on longer-term deals, or the third option, which is sort of to split the path, which is where they maybe use part of their space, save part of their space, or trade for players who they could keep or could jettison, depending on the structure of their contract or the type of player that they are. And so I'm sure that this is something that Daryl Morey and his staff have talked a lot about, Giving you an example of a player they could do. Like, for example, Boyan Bogdanovich. He's a classic player where Philly would be interested because they can go all directions. They, His contract next year is only partially guaranteed for how much, Bobby?
1: Uh, right around $2 million.
0: Okay. So they could take him. Keep them for 20 million on their books and use them as a very useful player. They could cut them, which I doubt they would actually do, but they could cut them and say goodbye, open that space back up. And they could also trade for him now and help and in him be immediate help now. Now I don't know whether they can swing that type of trade, but those are the paths that I see for Philly Bobby. I don't know how you see it for him.
1: No, I think you hit it right on the head. I think, you know, the the, the perfect path is, is, as you said, kind of splitting it down the middle here, where you can go out and get one or two players at the deadline. That can help you win now, and then also have the flexibility if you want to go free agent shopping or retain some of your own players if they're not part of the trades. So, for example, if you want to bring back De'Anthony Melton and re-sign him, you have the op- optionality to do that. We'll see what happens with Tobias Harris. I think the the perfect. I mean, you go back and look at how Denver and Denver was in a little bit of a different situation because they weren't a cap space team, but. They went out and got Aaron Gordon in 2021 and then they got KCP in right before the offseason of 22. It cost them one first round pick total for both players. And that's coming into that's a 2025 first that that Denver uh, that Orlando has. That's you want it, you know, if you have to use one, then you have all those, you know, you have the, the rest of your picks available. I think the interesting thing here, Brian, is they've got three first round picks to trade. Now, Hum the night of the draft that increases to five because right. they'll be able to move their 2024 first and then they can also move a 2031 because of the seven year rule so it almost like it not doubles but it gets you another two first round picks here and the cap space game as you know you know there's a lot of caution flags there man rolling out with uh, the sounds great we, we've got 65 million or 50 We we got it and then all of a sudden you like, you know, you who's there, right? Who, you know, certainly you can make trades and, and bring back players. I know you got you and Tim and the Tim's talked about Detroit the other day. It's like, you have, an, have to not have an idea of like going into the offseason, who are your guys, like who you're, who your you know, your $40 million guy, who's your $20 million guy here. And I, and you need to look at, and we'll see what happens with Siakam in the next few weeks here, but who's going to be the free agents out there, right? Like who are the marquee guys? If it, it's not. If OG stays in New York and what happens with Pascal and, you know, we're not talking about LeBron and and Kawhi's back is it Paul George, if things kind of hit the skids a little bit, I don't know. Um, But at the end of the day, like for me, it's like I want to I want I want to improve the roster at the deadline and then I want to still have the flexibility. Now, what's what's improving the roster? And I'll give you kind of a little bit of a a sneak peek to the Sixers. Like what, what is it? And I know there's a lot of baggage that comes with him because of what happened in Charlotte. What's the cost of Miles Bridges? What's the cost of Miles Bridges in Charlotte for if you want him for a four-month rental? His bird rights do not transfer in a trade because he signed a one-year deal. So it's not like you're getting him and you're like, oh, we can pay him, whatever. But you could if you wanted to use some of that cap space here. But
0: He'd also have to approve the trade. And he'd have to approve it also. Which if he was going to a place that had cap space, he would... Be interested in doing that. I'm sure. Yeah, you're
1: not going to prove it if you're going to the um, like Clippers, for example, where they basically right. can only sign them to like nine million dollars here. But I think that's the, the 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 thinking. If you're in that Sixers front office, is that you've got to kind of to make some gradual tweaks here, but then also, as you said, have that flexibility in the off season.
0: Yeah, and you know the other thing about them is you know Daryl has talked, and maybe he regrets saying this because it's um, it's attributed to him a lot. The head of moves. I can't remember what the percentage chance that he would say was, but he was like, if you have a 5% chance of winning the title, you are obligated to go for it. And I agree with that, Yeah, in, you know, in a vacuum, you know, they would qualify for that. Like they have a chance, uh, they, you know? And so, you know, if they, you know, who knows what's actually going to be on their plate, but ultimately if they, if he feels like they've got a shot to go this year, he's, he's kind of, gotta sacrifice the future and take the players now i think that's again that's based on his own words from the past and
1: he's made 81 trades since he's been an executive second most only to sam presti
0: wow and 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 a lot of and when it comes to core players and in-season trades i think daryl's got to be way ahead of sam because I
1: definitely yeah i mean you can go back to the hard and simmons you can go back to even in his houston days the most complicated i think that was like the clink Capella trade with you know i mean there's been there's been you know multiple different um you know different instances as, as far as like he's he's never um i don't think he'll ever be content right like, you know except besides Embiid and, and maxi like those two core guys here i don't think he's ever he'll ever be content until he's got that finished you know finished
0: product jackson dug up the quote well if you if you've got even a 5% chance to win the title, and that group includes a very small number of teams every year, you got to be focused all on winning the title. And I would say they're in the 5%. Yep. I'd Yeah, say they're, they're, they are the handful of teams that have at least 5%. We could debate on that. All right. Among the other teams that you were particularly interested in, you brought up the Orlando Magic to me. The thing I think interesting about the Orlando Magic is that they are one of the few teams that has a totally clean sheet on their pick situation. In fact, they are plus picks. In other words, you mentioned a minute ago how they have the Nuggets 25 pick. They have all their picks. I think you've said that they have plus 5 second round picks. They're like um they, they have, have
1: they got a ton. Um 12. <laughs> yeah, 12 so they teams. have they have they have
0: eight first round picks at their disposal, only 5 of which are tradable, yeah. right? Yeah, um, only I say only <laughs> the Phoenix Suns heard five tradable first round picks and passed out. But they, in theory, could trade five first round picks between now and the trade in and the, and the draft and have 12 second round picks of which they could trade them all. They are a team that's on the edge. They have they had a they had a favorable schedule uh early in the season. That said, they chewed it up. And as their schedule has uh, stiffened and they've dealt with a couple of injury things, they've gone from second place in the East. They've gone all the way back to eighth. Um, they they've, they've lost six of their last 10. They actually have an interesting game with Cleveland. Um, later this week, Cleveland is one of the hottest teams in the league. They've won five in a row, although all five against losing teams, um, two of them against Washington, one of them against uh, the Spurs. But having said that the Cleveland is, as we do this podcast in fourth place and Cleveland is actually, I think a possible first round opponent for Orlando this year in one way or another, but you brought, you put Orlando, Orlando hasn't done a buy trade in quite some time. And so I wonder, there's a reason why you're bringing them up to me. I wonder what you think of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, just look at them. They're kind of in, in one of the, they're almost like Oklahoma city where they've got like this two to three year financial window before things start to get expensive here. And when I, when I mean what you have, you have Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs extension eligible, this upcoming off season. Paolo Banchero is the following off season. You there's been a retooling, rebuilding phase that started in 21 with the Gordon trade here. And as you look at it, like although they're in eight right now, at worst, they'll get two play-in games because you look at teams nine and 10, who's there, right? There's a big difference between the top eight yeah. and then, kind of everyone else. Yeah, let, me, let, up- me
0: just, let me just say, as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon, Chicago is four games back of Orlando for ninth and Brooklyn is five and a half back for 10th. So, yes. Sorry, not to interrupt you, but no,
1: no. Um, And then you have, when you look at what they have, they've got a bunch of expiring contracts, right? Markel Fultz, who's been injured, who was a starter at one time and now uh, was injured. And is still uh, Gary Harris is on a $13 million expiring contract. You know, the guy that we, you hear a lot about is Wendell Carter Jr., uh, and I know he's been in and out of the lineup with injuries here because his contract's terrific. The one thing Orlando does well is that they structure their contracts. And a lot a lot of the times they either have a team option on the end or they descend. So it makes it appealing. And Carter's, by the time you get to next year, it's going to be below the the non-tax mid-level, which is at $13 million. That's a great contract. If he's on, on the court here, one of the bottom, I think they're 28th or 29th in three-point shooting. The game they had, Oh, it was last week, the game that Caleb Houston shot seven, 14, seven for 14 from three. And I think they won. I'm not sure who was, but you're like, oh, this is the recipe, right? Make three, you know, if you can get a guy yeah. out there, I can make five yeah. or six threes. Yeah. And then like the next game, he goes two for nine. You're like, oh, you know, like we're back to the same thing. So. If there's a deal out there now, who, who are the guys, right? Is it, is it, is is buddy is what's the cost for buddy healed and would Indiana help out a team they're competing for with one of these playoff spots? If they're getting a first round pick, um, from from
0: your notes, by the way, they're 12 and five when they shoot better than 35% from three. Yeah. 35% is not a special night. No. (laughs) 45% is a special night. So that's,
1: that's for me. That's what I'm looking at. You know, it's, it's so, when we talked about Wendell Carter, they, you know, Goga, uh, Pidaze had played really well, but is, is it going to be a free agent? So if you're going to move off Carter to upgrade shooting, you better have a comfort level that you're going to be able you're, you're resigning him in, in the off season here. But I just look at our Orlando where they don't have to kind of go all in. Um, you know, they could still see like, Hey, what's this roster look like in a, in a, you know, in a playoff series, we'll reevaluate in the off season. But They've got the resources with those expirings. They've got that Carter Jr. as you said. They've got all their own in that, um, and they still got a little bit of cap space too. And they've got that 25 Denver pick.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, they, they haven't been a factor in so long. I think the last time they made the playoffs, um, Steve Clifford was their coach, and they finished eighth. And they were just they just haven't been a factor in so long that you know you don't even really know how Jeff Weltman. There's no track record. Yeah, like I just don't I just don't know what they're gonna do. Um, I mean, we're sitting here looking at their hand and trying to forecast it, but, and even now I know they're still an eighth, but I mean, they have some teeth. I mean, they, they can do some things. Uh, and especially if they get a little bit of help,
1: more hoop collective podcast after this.
0: Uh, the other Eastern conference team that you brought up to me as a team that you thought was interesting was Charlotte. Yeah. Now, Charlotte's in a bit of a fascinating situation. They have brand new owners. Um, Gabe Plotkin and Rick Schnall bought the team before the season started. Michael Jordan retained a percentage, but basically those guys have the team right now. They have made no changes. Their Their team president, Fred Whitfield, retired or or, or left the job. He disclosed that he'd been fighting cancer. That's not a basketball operations move. They have made no changes to their basketball operations, as far as I'm aware. No significant changes to their leadership, to their operations. They've made no significant roster moves. I mean, they signed LaMelo Ball. That was kind of, I mean, I could have done that. They elected to bring Miles Bridges back on the qualifying offer, but they have essentially made no transactions whatsoever, Bobby. And um, they're a, they're a bad team. They're they're not in the 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 Wizards Pistons class, but they're only barely out of that zone. They are really not going anywhere. And they have a bunch of guys on their roster who won significant contracts, starting with Gordon Hayward, who's at the last year of a $31 million deal. Um, this is a team that I have heard some of their players mentioned in trade in, in talking with executives, but is a, still a bit of a mystery on what they're going to do.
1: You know, when I, when I write the trade guides, it's usually players or executives. I never have owners as far as what to watch. And for Charlotte, I have both their owners as far as what to watch, just because as you just laid out, you know, the evaluation um, process, you know, Mitch Kupchak, who's their, you know, head of basketball basketball operations, how much authority does he have, uh, you know, to swing a big trade? And now, like, for example, like just a hypothetical here, let's say you could trade uh, Gordon Hayward and uh, another player for Zach Levine, and you don't have to give up anything, right? Like you don't have to give up draft picks, anything.
0: Right. <laughs> they, they could do that right? this afternoon. I think they could do that. Yeah.
1: Are you comfortable taking back that $138 million owed if Mitch isn't your guy and then you're going to have to go in your, and you have another uh, executive in waiting or you want to hire, is that person going to want to come in and inherit that? You know, you, now you got a max right. backcourt, you got a max backcourt in the, in the right. ball and, and Zach Levine. That's, right. that's I, a big
0: thing. And look, Mitch Kupchak is about to turn 70 years old. They have brand new owners and are in need of a major retrofit. I'll stay away from the word rebuild, but you're asking a a, a realistic question. So, but for now, Mitch is the general manager. He's involved in contract talks and stuff like that, or not contract, but trade talks and stuff like that. So it is a question about what's going to happen. If, by the way, if Gordon Hayward stays there beyond the deadline, do you think he's a buyout candidate?
1: He he could be, but you you know with he these. I up rules, his bird rights. Yeah, yeah, then you you know buyouts. You know buyouts become tricky because then you lose bird rights, as you know. And then you're basically cast in the wind come the off season, right? Like you're just. Right. You the know, other and thing is, that, yeah. Then yeah. the rules, you know, then you know the apron rules as far as you know. He's a thirty-one-five <laughs> guy, so you basically eliminate a lot of these. You know, eight or nine teams there, and there's a, yeah. You know,
0: there's so the... Bobby, Bobby just moved past that, but I was going to cl- cl- clarify in the new rules. If you're in the aprons, the first or yep. second apron, you can't sign a player who, before he got bought out, made more than the average player salary. Yep. So, mostly the, like the Blake Griffin.
1: I guess we could we call it the Blake Griffin slash Lamarcus Aldridge rule when the league went on fire that year when those those two
0: guys signed in Brooklyn. <laughs> How much did, did uh, Blake leave on the table?
1: Oh, a lot, and a lot that he's. Will probably never recoup it. I mean, he, yeah. it was. I think it was one of the bigger buyouts we've seen in a long time.
0: I I will say. Um, I've told the story in the pod before, but it's a long time ago. Um, when Mike Bibby, he was with the Hawks, and um, the first year LeBron was in Miami, and I just say I've said this before. I learned a lesson from this. He took a buyout, I believe, of five million. He left five million on the table to get out of his deal with the Hawks, and he signed with Miami for the minimum. And he signed, and he. I think it was a Saturday morning. There was very few media there. Unusual for the heat. And he came up to the podium after shoot around or practice. And there was only a couple of us there. And I asked him, I go, how did you justify leaving 5 million? He was was near the end of his career. He might've, he might've finished that year. He might've played one more year. And he basically said, don't talk to me about my money. I was like, you know what? You're right. I won't. However, I should point out to the fans that that you gave him 5 million. But in, in the new, in the new era, A player has to, you know, has to consider that. Like, uh, you know, part of the reason you give up money is to go play for a championship. But if you're, you know, Philly right now is um, into the tax, but perhaps they could make moves to get out of the tax. The Lakers, by the way, could make moves to get out of the tax. But that's a a factor. The other thing that's a factor is that all teams must now spend to the salary floor. And so Charlotte, I don't know what's going to happen next year. Maybe they have to give Gordon Hayward a contract just to, you know, carry over, just to meet the salary floor. That's, Bruce Brown was the big beneficiary of that this year. The, the Pacers were pretty far below salary floor. They gave him $20 million. Nobody was offering. He had a great year last year, won the title. Nobody was offering Bruce Brown $20 million. He was like, yes, I will take the $20 million. It's also That's also a reason why he wouldn't uh, get butt out. But I think the guys who are interesting here, you mentioned Miles Bridges before, Bobby, and Terry Rozier a guy who's got a you know he's a pretty productive player mm-hmm. he has 2 years left on his contract i believe the last year is a team option it's got a
1: uh, a really small um it's it, um it's guaranteed for almost like 90% no there's some bo- there's some clauses oh, okay. in there if they hit the if they reach like the second round of the playoffs it becomes fully guaranteed and oh, stuff okay. so it's he you know brian he's he's one of these guys and and when you talk to teams about this new cba he's like the perfect him and a group of other players, like these $20 million guys, like the net. So if you're not willing to go get an, an, an A-lister, another, like an Zach, you know, a $40 million guy, if you already got two max guys, how right. do you build out the rest these 20 million, the Malcolm Brogdon's of the world, Jared Allen's a per, good name. Yeah. Like these guys in that range, um, DeJounte Murray is another one who's at 18, $19 million. Like they're in that, that they're in a really good fit because it's like that third guy but then yes. you can maybe get a fourth guy at 19, yes. right? You get two of them, two guys that equal, maybe one. And so Rogier, I think he's got, you know, unless you come in, there's something comes in and just totally makes sense for, for a Charlotte team that does not control their first round pick their pick goes. I mean, it's protected. I don't think it will carry, but their pick goes to San Antonio, which was actually part of the Murray trade. Like when uh, uh, Atlanta traded a 25, 27, unprotected, a 26 swap unprotected. The Hornets pick was part of that. That's protected for the next few years here. So if you're, if you're Charlotte, Hey, if someone comes in and say, Hey, we'll give you two first rounds for Terry Rozier and some, maybe that's what you think about. But I think for, from a value standpoint, he'll have more value. He'll have value next year, probably too, or in the off season, if that's what you want to do.
0: Yes. I've gone on Jags before about the importance of in the new rules of the third salary. Yep. And if the third, you know, you can afford two maxes, but if your third player is a max player, he got to be a max player. He, I mean, I don't mean like what he's getting paid. I mean, he's got to actually produce like that because the rest of your team isn't going to be there. Let me give you Rozier's numbers. He's averaging 24 points a game, shooting 46% overall from the field, which is the highest of his career, shooting 37% on threes on eight a game. That is, you know, he has been a couple of points better at times in his career, but that is, quality you know known to chuck it a little bit but he's also averaging seven assists he's playing uh, a lot at point guard because lamello has been out so much and you know, as you said i think it's 22 this year 24 24 23 24 25 for the next three years that's you know it's not it's not the greatest value in the league but it's it's not bad value which is why you see teams keeping an eye on him and why Charlotte might be interested there. The question is, you know, what would Charlotte would want in return? Uh, Because they don't control their pick, they would probably want a pick, is my guess. But uh, um, they are, that's definitely a a team that's sort of low-key to watch, I would think, as you've said. Okay, another team that you brought up to me um, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, the Pelicans have had a fascinating season. There have been times where they have looked absolutely horrendous including the in-season tournament there are times when some of their 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 spirit and their play and their defense has been awful zion has kind of been all over the place been great been average been bad but they've been winning now dallas did just get them they just are finishing up this long road trip they have won seven out of out their last 10 they've had some impressive wins in there one of the reasons why they're playing better, I don't think this is a huge insight here by me, is that their team has been healthy. Like, they've had their three best players healthy for like the last three, four weeks, which is Zion, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum. And lo and behold, when your three best players actually can play, they've got some things going for them. But, Bobby, there's something interesting about the Pelicans and the luxury tax maybe you can tell us about.
1: Well they've never paid it. (laughs) So that's for one thing. They're they're projected to pay a $4.4 million penalty in the luxury tax, which isn't that big of a deal, right? They're $2.9 million over. The tax distribution is right around hmm, a little bit north of $14 million. So if you duck under, that's an $18 million savings that ownership will Will, uh, will get as far as the tax and then the distribution that you're going to get in. So who, you know, this is a deep roster, right? Like this is a deep roster. You can go, you know, 10, 11 deep, you know, K- uh, Kyle Lewis Jr. is on the last year of his contract. Um, he's on an expiring. If from a pure business uh, perspective, if you're just looking to get under, I'm sure there's teams out there that would, you know, take him on if you got to put cash in a deal or if you got to attach a second or something in there, um, that's, um, you know, that's the, the economic, you know, non-basketball impact there, because I think there is a priority when you're that close to being, um, you know, under the tax to go out and make a deal like that.
0: Yeah. So, um, that's the thing you're talking about. So, so how much does Lewis make?
1: He's at, uh, what is he at? Like five, nine, uh, hold on. Let me pull up this thing here.
0: So this is one of those. This is one of those potential trades that would happen, at um, you know two fifty seven, uh, on trade deadline day. He's at five seven. Uh, okay, so they probably would owe him about two and change. Yep, and an actual money left on his salary. the The Pelicans teams are allowed to put as much as seven million dollars into trades, and they're allowed to receive as much as seven million dollars. Yep. Which prevents teams from just selling. And they stuff got the up full. There.
1: They got the full kitty of both. So right.
0: So Bobby just said that if they were to get, if they were to get out of the tax, not only would they save the tax money four million, but they would get the check from all the other teams that pay the tax, which is about right now about fourteen. Yeah. So it's eighteen million. Let's say they had to, you know, sell, you know, send Kyra Lewis. They send the the money to pay the rest of his salary and a pick. And next thing you know, they've done a deal that saved him that's saved them. That's you know, got 15 million to the good. Now that's not exciting to talk about, but I think the only two teams that have never paid the tax in the history of the tax, which dates back over 20 years now are the Hornets and the Pelicans. The Hornets haven't been around for all that time, yeah. but uh, they also have new ownership. So I don't know if they'll stay on that list, but I think the Pelicans will be on the list by the end of the season. Now, the interesting thing is you mentioned their depth. All right. They have Jonas Valanciunas who has a very large, expiring contract he's also a useful player particularly as an offensive rebounder one of the best offensive rebounders in the league i don't think they're looking to trade him just to be clear however whenever you get into a situation that involves new orleans there's two things that come up one that they have alan chunas's contract two the amount of picks and young players that they have so they have all of their first round picks seven of them going forward plus the lakers first round pick unprotected which they can either use in 24 or 25. My guess is they're not going to use it this year, Bobby.
1: Yeah. You have uh, I think June June 1st or March May, or right at the, right after the lottery they have the decision to make and especially for next year's draft which could be intriguing. You always would like to have that wild card there just in case, right?
0: Right. Then then they have their Bucks stock. Yeah. Which is interesting. So they have a Bucks first round pick in 2025, that's protected top four. This is for Drew Holiday, who's since been traded. Yeah. This is that's top four protected. Okay. 2025.
1: Well, no, it's it's so how it works is so it's 25. Um, they have their they have the Bucks pick if it's in one to four. If it's five one to four. 30, it, New York has five to 30. Okay. Um, they basically kind of split it. I think it was originally part of the CJ trade um, that went to Portland and then Portland sent it to Detroit and Detroit. It basically it's been. Banned around here, but if if so, if somehow things really go haywire in Milwaukee and it's the number two pick in the draft, New Orleans will have that pick.
0: Well, what they also have, which I can't believe would be available, is the Bucks unprotected first yeah. in, in twenty <laughs> in, in seven. Now I know Giannis is signed, but we'll see about two thousand twenty seven. I wouldn't think that that pick would be available right now, but my point is they have all their picks plus two others, potentially interesting picks because. I don't know what's going to happen with LeBron in 2025. I feel like he'll—I feel like LeBron's going to play next year, but I don't know if it's going to be for the Lakers. Probably, but he's got an opt-out. There's reasons to have discussions about this. So they have a lot there. You know, they have—you um, know—they have—you uh, know—lots of trade. I think of their young players. Dyson Daniels is a lottery pick from last year, who's an interesting player. He got to play a little bit earlier this year when they were wrecked with injuries to Alvarado and um, and CJ showed some interest, you know, some stuff like um, they have uh, Larry Nance who comes off the bench for them, but is a good defensive player. that teams would like like it doesn't take much to construct a trade here. And Bobby, what do you think? What do you think is realistic for the Pelicans other than we feel like they're going to get under that tax?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, when I was, when I was typing the New Orleans, the end of the New Orleans section, they were playing at the time and I was talking and I was writing about Valentinus and he's like, and I hear in the background and that's 26 for Valentinus tonight, a season high. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it's just fitting. Right. When you're, when you're, when you're writing about somebody, right? I think, I think if the New Orleans, the, you know, and as you said, there's, you know, there's. Not moving him is like it's not a priority, right? I think the goal would be if you can get a center that's under contract for the next few years, um that you know, we talked about Wendell Carter Jr. in Orlando. Would that make sense because Carter's on such a good uh, on such a good contract? Like for me, and 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 it's not going to happen. Like, but if things had really gone off the skids in Cleveland, like I would have just said to if I was Griff, I would call it his former understudy, Kobe Altman, I'd said, pick what you want from our roster that's how to, you know these certain players for for jared allen like that's like the that would be the and jared's been as you know brian's been tremendous in, in, um, and <laughs> i, I think, mean like
0: i think he should get serious all-star consideration yeah. we'll see how it all how it all plays out but yeah but that's
1: the idea is like a guy that's got like two or three left you know three two or three years left on his contracts is making the net 15 to 20 range. So, you know, but if, if, if you don't make a deal, you you go into the off season. And if you, if Valanciunas is your guy, if you want to, you know, the ability to resign him, you could do it. But for, from a trade standpoint, I think we'd be getting to try to target a player that's got a couple of years left on his contract.
0: Yeah. And I will say this. Um, so Brandon Ingram, he has one year left after this season. I spoke and I think it's all public. I think it's all been said now, but I, I spoke to Brandon about it last summer when he was with Team USA. And basically, he told me he didn't not want to resign. He just wanted to leave the option open of making All-NBA so that he could get the Supermax. He's actually having a pretty good season, but he's not having an All-NBA season. And so um, in the summer, they're going to, you know, they don't have to do something with him. But if they don't, if he doesn't extend, that might get interesting. So I don't know how they plot that, that piece that they go forward. But you know, if they do resign him, that's going to hit the books at a pretty big number, even without the supermax. Uh, this is what I've nicknamed the stress max, Bobby. We're in stress stress max zone with Brandon Ingram because it's stress on their side, stress on his side. But so that's something interesting to, to keep an eye on.
1: More hoop collective podcast after this.
0: Because we're talking a little bit about the tax. Real quick, I, I want to talk real quick about the Lakers situation. Sure. What is the Lakers tax position?
1: They are pull them up right now. They're like right under. And you gotta worry about the apron too, right? Because they did the um the the um
0: Gabe Vincent.
1: Gabe Vincent and the Torian Prince so triggered the first apron, which we call the hard cap. So from a tax standpoint, they're 1.26 below, and then from the apron, they're 4.94 below. Uh, I'm sorry, for the tax, they're over 1.26, right. and then the apron, they're below, right below that there. So they are a repeater, what we call a repeater tax team. This would be the fourth year in a row or four out of five years. But that small amount, it's not a make or break, but they're still in the tax there.
0: And there's ways the Lakers can make a trade to improve with just having to shed 1.3. They could They could make a trade, improve their roster, and get out of the tax.
1: Sure. If you're sending out a um, a fourteen million dollar player for an eighteen million dollar player, um, you get under you get under there.
0: Yeah. So or, um, or a fifteen point seven million dollar player for a nineteen million dollar player. <laughs> well, and what Bobby is referring to here is a possible Dejounte Murray trade. It doesn't take high level cap mechanics to figure out how the Lakers could trade for Dejounte Murray get him get that contract that you talked about a guy on a on a favorable deal based on the the nations and get out of the luxury tax which would save them they'll be like new orleans
1: look at that 14 million dollars
0: plus you know like in the repeater over being over a million yeah. is like it being somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 16 million yep. so um you know 15 million to the lakers they can find uses for that <laughs> i remember Years and years ago, I always tell these stories, Bobby, I know people probably get bored of them, but um, years and years ago when Dr. Buss was still alive, I remember the Lakers made like a deadline trade where they like, I think it was Chris Mim. They traded Chris Mim to save $3 million. And I remember saying to somebody, why would they do that? Why would the Lakers need another $3 million? And they're like, that's three more million dollars for Jerry Bus to take to the tables in Vegas. And it was a joke, but like, that's true. You know, like the if the Lakers make an extra $6 million, each one of the six bus kids gets an extra million. I don't know what to tell you. That's just the way it is. I'm not saying they make decisions based on that. Sure. But when you look at the possibility of trading your roster, trading your, improving your roster and saving $15 million, it might make it a little easier for them to include a, a draft pick, you know, a yeah. first rounder.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not like if you were ten million over luxury tax and like you know it, it, when you're in that like that that one to four range, you know there there are you know there there are deals out there to get you under, and there's nothing wrong with you know saving fourteen million dollars. I think what the interesting thing is, and I and I've heard I heard you guys talk about this on the last podcast is the the Murray trade bonus, right?
0: Yes, please bring this up to me because you said something to me about this that I highest
1: think- it's the highest in the NBA. 13. Is the highest
0: ever I have to
1: go look at the note I you know what I think it could be um I have to go look at my notes and, and people have to realize like um and you guys have said it guys with max contracts have trade bonuses in there but there's rules in place where your your the bonus can't exceed the max allowed so if there was never a rule in place then yeah these guys would have their trade bonus would be like 30 million dollars and stuff right, because right. it's the, it's the percentage of what is owed on the salary here so as of today, The Murray trade bonus is $13.4 million. It's the most in the NBA. Second is Anthony Davis at $12.9 million to clutch players. So clutch likes to put trade bonuses in his contract. Here's the interesting thing. When you go look at the, the, the DeJounte Murray trade bonus, when Murray did his extension with San Antonio rookie extension, the trade bonus was not in there. It was a straight deal. However, when he did his rookie extension, they opened up, the San Antonio contract and amended that and added a trade bonus in that contract and they added a, a put a trade bonus in the rookie and this new extension so he's getting it he's getting the bonus on what's left this year and he's also getting the bonus on what is owed to him over the next four seasons here so it's like they he got opened a hit up bo- the
0: contract how is that allowed?
1: they amended it they amended it to add the uh, to add a bonus it's, you know you're allowed to you can do that there so they add an exhibit four with the trade bonus it's at 13.4 million if he's traded let's say we get off this this new, uh this uh, podcast and he's traded uh you can negotiate right you can negotiate it down and you can what i mean that's a lot of money though going to la yeah. taxes right yeah, it's it's um it's spread out over um four years. You don't include the last year, which is a player option, as far as adding. So, three point yeah. four million dollars would be added to each year. Atlanta pays the bonus, but for cap purposes, that number gets added to that you know that eighteen and change number that that Murray has. Does Atlanta
0: have to give them the full thirteen million dollars now, or they just pay it over the next three years? Two so
1: two installments. So, so there, but here, so here's your big, your big picture. And I know like, you're not supposed to look back on trades that happened. Okay. So we're going to pay this guy 13.4 million. And then, you know what, next year, we're going to send that unprotected 25 to San Antonio and an unprotected swap in 26 and unprotected in 27 here. So if you're Atlanta, you're trying to recoup as much. You're, you're not getting, you're not getting what you gave up, right? Like that did not happen. So you're trying to recoup as much as as much as you can before you're kind of moving off him.
0: Right. But so all the other thing is, is that DeJounte Murray's cap number changes going forward. So you were talking about how attractive he is at 19 or 20 million on your books. But then even though the Lakers don't have to pay that extra three million a year, he hits their books with the extra three. Well. I don't mean to sound like the Lakers have him. Team X trades for him. I know the yeah. Nets are a team. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, he goes from a he goes from a 24 point or 25 million dollar player next year to like a like a um you know a, a 28 million dollar guy. Right. Then he's then he's gonna be 30, then 31. Like
0: it that nice right. So whatever team would have interest in trading for him, that he becomes a little bit more onerous on their cap. However, if you're a team like the Lakers and you save 15 million dollars in the transaction you can kind of put that in in an interest-bearing account and say okay if we have to pay tax on this extra money over the next three years we did save 15 million when we got him and that again i don't want to make it seem like he's definitely going to be a laker I, i because i think that was one it was one thing that Woj was talking about last week is it's not just the lakers bidding but in you, the, the more I look at this DeJounte Murray situation, even if he's not the absolute perfect fit for the Lakers, I do think it makes more sense as I more I talk about it, why they would be interested in that trade. And there's another player who might be who might actually make sense for the Lakers on another team you wanted to talk about, which is the Portland Trail Blazers, who are going nowhere fast.
1: You know, it's interesting. There it's, you know, it's certainly two players. You know, Jeremy Grant signed that five for 160, he his uh, restriction came off that number increases where the Kyle Kuzma contract decreases. Yeah. You know, Kyle signed for four for 94 and it, it it drops. Like that's a good contract. Like that's $19, $20 million for him is a good value. Grant goes up. They
0: signed that contract with the intention of trading Kyle Kuzma sure. someday, maybe yeah. not in 24. And maybe he goes on and he has a statue outside <laughs> whatever new arena is being it, it, built. The
1: Alexandria, room. wherever.
0: Right. But <laughs> They signed that contract with the intent to eventually trade him. I was befuddled the moment the Jeremy Grant contract was signed because I'm pretty sure the Blazers knew they were going to trade trade Dame Lillard, and even if they weren't hundred percent sure that they were going to trade him, there was nobody in my view bidding five and one sixty for Jeremy Grant. Nobody could give him five anyway. And with all due respect a guy that I got to know a little bit covering the Olympics with all due respect. Yeah. He was on the Olympic team. If you can believe that the structure of the contract did not indicate they were signing him to trade him. It would make sense for a rebuilding team like Washington to retain an asset just to, you know, to sign to be traded. They did not do that with this deal with all due respect to our friends in Portland. I hope you're doing well, Mike Schmitz, but I don't think it's the easiest contract to trade. However, Brogdon, who is a, Productive guard as a shorter deal, much shorter deal would be Bobby.
1: Yeah, twenty-two five this year and next year. Another one of those players that we've talked about in that that twenty million dollar range. So if your teams out there, that Brooklyn, for example, who needs you know, listen, you know, we watched Nets games. Spencer Dinwiddie is basically out of the rotation at the end of these games are finishing with Dennis Smith Jr. and how reliable is Ben Simmons? Not very. Uh, it's got two years, eighty left. You don't have a point guard next year if you're sitting on these phoenix and dallas picks and maybe you, you put some protection on one and see if if uh, portland is willing willing to bite i think he'd be interested in um, an interesting name with the lakers also you know in there i think from portland's perspective and scoots played better of late especially the other night he played really well but eventually you'd like to give him the keys to, at the end of these games here. Like you just like from
0: a developmental phase here.
1: Um, and I think he's
0: already probably playing more minutes than he would. I mean, part of being a top three pick is you get more minutes because your team stink. But like yeah. Chauncey is probably playing him more than he would play on a team that was competitive. Um yeah like Keontae George in in Utah they
1: basically you know had the force they basically had to start him because they had so many injuries and now it's like 20 to 20 to 25 minutes is a nice number right like it's right. hard you know rookie point guards playing north of 30 is a, it's a that's a tall task
0: Yeah so Portland would be you know they're in rebuild mode and you'd expect them to do that Jackson tells us sco- Scoots playing 32 minutes a game over the last 10 games Yeah and which is what they should do Yep but, like, yeah, I mean, uh, like
1: the Brooklyn game, the like, uh, just for real quick, like the, na- the game they won in, um, in Brooklyn, the overtime game, like, I would like, you felt like there was an intent to win that game at no matter what? Because Scoot didn't play the fourth in overtime and Brogdon <laughs> hit the two big threes at the
0: end. Yeah.
1: Which is fine. Like, listen, it's that's
0: one more team I want to ask you about before we go because you just mentioned Keontae George, Utah Jazz, the Utah Jazz last year, if you remember. After trading, Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, who else did they trade? Royce O'Neal. Uh, Boyan. Boyan. They were very competitive for the first third of the season. And then they sort of quiet quit. Don't tell anybody. This, the inverse is happening. They were pretty terrible at the start of the season. Will Hardy was coming out saying that was a bleep, bleep, bleep performance. And despite not being totally healthy, they are now in the play they have won six in a row. They've won nine of 10 as the resort of <laughs> recording this podcast. They're ahead of the Lakers, who I think they play coming up here. Or they just play them. They just play them and beat them. But they are also a team that is still very much in the early throws of a construction. We talked about them on a podcast recently. I talked about how I thought Kelly Olenek would probably be available. But what do you see for Utah, knowing that Trader Danny is not afraid to make Midseason trades
1: yeah i mean it's uh
0: 15 and 4 in the
1: last 19 jeez um,
0: that's really good
1: <laughs> i mean we remembered him i forgot about Austin.
0: conley they traded
1: conley too yeah well two. that was yeah they were you know they started last year 10 and 3 and then they yeah,
0: they were kind of like
1: a 500 team at deadline and then moved mike for a protected whatever top five pick from the lakers um that minnesota deal here i look at utah if you're looking from a trade standpoint it would be Olinic. and then then you have to ask yourself okay kelly's coming off the bench for us he's been good is there any value in just getting a couple seconds because he's on an expiring contract does that make sense for us or we just hold on to him i think the one guy and i think it's a matter of you know who you ask on from different teams is you know certainly town horton tuckers on an expiring 11 million dollar contract do teams how do the teams view him there Um, out of the rotation here but i just look at utah like you know as you're sitting on so much draft capital your own first it goes to oklahoma city it's top 10 10 protected i want to say yeah top 10 protected this year so you you know you would lose that which is fine like i think for i think for utah is i want to see where these guys are in a plane in a plane like they're almost like where oklahoma city was a year ago like i want to see them in a plane I want to see you in or in a first round series and then maybe make a decision as far as where they are, but they're deep. Like Sexton has been really good. Putting John Collins at the five has been really smart. Walker Kessler is coming off the bench. Uh, Fontecchio has been good. marketing has been great. Um, you don't have to worry about yeah, um, your, your, your fir- first round picks that you drafted. Um, you know, besides uh, George has played 20, 25 minutes at point guard here. You can let them develop here. So, I don't think for me personally, like you don't have to go into deadlines and, oh, we've got these picks. we got to move. I think we're one move away from, you know, being where Minnesota and Denver is. Cause I don't think they are. Um, so if there's anything out there it would probably be Olenek. Um, I think he would be great in New York as far as adding another big that can stretch the floor. And then as, as far as I said, that Horton Tucker expiring.
0: Yeah. So they do have the seventh hardest schedule left. This these numbers change. This is by winning percentage of their opponents. These numbers obviously change every day, so if you check back tomorrow. It might be t- tenth or fifth, but they do have a difficult portion of schedule left. Which, by the way, Boston has the second easiest schedule left when you're projecting out who may be the overall number one pick. That's a different topic for a different day. But you know, getting into the you know, if you look at the teams around them of the teams behind them, you know, obviously Golden State would figure they're going to go. But other than that, like they might be able to outplay Houston. Houston's about 500. Memphis is not coming hard. So like, yeah, they got a shot. They got a shot to get that playing. I would agree with you there. So I would also, having said that, if they get an offer that bowls them over for, one of their players, I don't think anything's off the table.
1: Hey, listen, but. if some team calls and says, hey, we, John Collins, we really liked him. Two
0: ones, you know? Like, I don't think <laughs> yeah, there's going to be, I know, think like, they, hey, I oh, like, hey, advise... we're, we're 15 and four in the last time. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wouldn't, let's put it this way. I think two weeks ago, two-ish weeks ago, if you'd asked executives, are the Jazz buying or selling? They would laugh and say, of course, they're selling. Now, I do think under certain circumstances, that the Jazz would investigate adding a piece, especially if it didn't impact their cap or impact their options. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I still think that they'll mostly be taking the calls, but I could see them making a call or two. I think their situation has changed to the point where they, where Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge would at least think about it. Um, you know, A, if it was in sort of a no, a low risk short term mm-hmm or higher upside, long-term, medium-term, which is like what they did with John Collins. They basically got a free, a fly, a free, You basically got them for free. I mean, other than they got to pay a salary, which, but they got to pay people's salaries because it's the rules, but. Uh, all right, Bobby, thank you so much for your insight. We really appreciate your time. Please check out all of Bobby's. Uh, you should definitely follow him. Follow him on social media. Yeah,
1: we've we've got we got rook, me and Kevin Pelton got rookie rankings out, which I'm sure makes a lot of people happy out there. Um, that we still have Chet number one. We've got a couple two way guys in there. Can, and, I, can and, I just
0: say, um, <laughs> people listening to this pod know how I feel about Chet. Bon makes fun of me all the time. I'm super high on Chet. Love him. Love his game. Love his temperament. Love well, here, his here, got here, here's here's the
1: thing I asked, Brian, and I, I'm not a voter, right? I don't vote. I don't have any votes. And I, and I,
0: by the, I the st- way, I am a voter and I will remain a voter.
1: I, I wrote you. this about Victor and I want, I played the hypothetical game. Okay. For the voters out there.
0: You didn't even let me get to the butt. You didn't even I know. let me, you cut me right off.
1: What, what happened? What would happen if Victor was in Oklahoma city right now? Right
0: batting down the hatches.
1: Yeah. So I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a. I don't think they're mailing that rookie of the year quite yet to Oklahoma City. Let the kid. Let these. Let this play out a little
0: bit here. I just. I. I literally cannot say a single negative thing about Chet Holmgren. I love everything about him. I've been. I've been making jokes behind the scenes about how this is the next Magic Bird, Wembenyama Holmgren. It's a joke, but I'm. It comes from a, a place where I'm. Victor Wimbanyama is, is playing 20, 28 minutes a game and way less than that recently. 20, 10, and three blocks. And I know he can't make a shot yet. I know he can't make a shot, but wait till he does. You think he's never going to be able to shoot? That's all. So we've got rookie rankings
1: out. Uh, bond Temps and I have got the 60, have the 65 game restriction that is going to impact the MVP race and all that fun stuff. And then we've got the trade guys out next week.
0: The trade guide is worth the price, ESPN Plus. If it's in if it's on ESPN Plus. (laughs) Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys later this week.